Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. Chad Baysflug has had success in multiple parts of the country driving both non-wing and wing sprint cars. He grew up in California before heading east to Indiana to race against the best in the business. When he's not racing, Chad works as a rep for Capital Renegade, helping racers find trucks and trailers to get their equipment to the racetrack. On this episode, we talk about his rise to the top series in sprint cars, trying to sell to racers in a difficult climate, handling the situation when your ride goes south, and so much more. Before we get to Chad, this episode is brought to you by Blood Lubricants. Blood carries a high-performance line of synthetic racing oils, and they've got you covered for all sorts of dirt racing applications. Engine oils, gear oils, suspension fluid, cleaning products, you name it, they've got it. And these aren't bargain basement oils and lubricants. This is high-quality stuff. Danny Dietrich picked up his 13th win of 2020 over the weekend at Lincoln Speedway, running the Blood Racing Pro Series engine oil in his 410 engine. It's hard to argue with race-winning performance. They've got a great racer support program that I'll offers discounts on products plus free swag, and they support hundreds of racers across many divisions throughout the country. To check out the support program, find out more information, or to buy, visit bloodlubricants.com. That's B-L-U-D lubricants.com. If you'd like to receive 25% off most products, use code DIRT at checkout. That's D-I-R-T, all caps, at checkout. Now, let's get to my conversation with Chad Baysfluke. Chad, do we just call you sprint car driver? Is that is that what we are at this point? <laughs> or, or, uh, are we a trailer salesman and sprint car driver? I, I joke I'm almost like semi-retired, but I'm not. Um, just I'm um, an entrepreneur, let's say that. Uh, trailer salesman, lots of things going on. Dad now, uh, I stay busy. I, I sometimes take on more than I should, but um, I guess I don't know how to say no. I feel like, you know, especially lately, we see you a lot with, with the Capital Renegade stuff, but give us an idea about your role with Capital, what you do there and, and how long you've been there and, and, you know, kind of how that affects your, your racing. Yeah, a couple, you know, three years now. Uh, it's time's flown by. It's been great. Um, basically, uh, I just kind of worked out. I bought a trailer from him, got to know Wayne, our general manager, and joked about, you know, hey, if you ever need another salesman and and uh, next thing you know, uh, he told me to sell something. I sold a toter home, and so he had to hire me. Um, so, yeah, it worked out well. Uh, it's been great, you know, I, I, the experience and the racing that I've done, um, owning my own team and having my own trailers and keeping things organized uh, has helped helped me personally as a salesman to, uh, to kind of relate to racers um, and, and give them what they need and help them get organized. Uh, I'm very OCD, so things always have to have their place and be very organized, and I felt like, I feel like I can help people kind of that want to be that way, become that, um, or at least get there. You know, people always say trailers don't win races, but being organized does. Um, you got to get to the race before you can win the race, things like that. So uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's allowed me to race, um, although I don't, I haven't been doing as much of that lately uh, with just lots of other things going on. Um, and this year, honestly, has just been kind of a crazy year anyway. So don't feel like I missed out on, on terribly too much. Um, but yeah, I know it's, it's been a blessing. Um, you know, the guys at, at Capitol, Glenn, uh, Wayne and, and David, we all get along great. We work well together. Uh, fortunately I get to work from home here in Indy, um, and, and, you know, the dealerships in Maryland, but we, we sell trailers all over the United States. So it doesn't really, you know, I don't have to be one place necessarily. So it allows me to travel, to go to races or to go race myself. Um, and, and just use my experiences. Uh, you know, I was talking to a guy today that races go-karts and we're building him a trailer and, and just, you know, certain things. He's like, man, I would have never thought of that. So uh, just little things like that, that, that everybody, no matter the racing wants to be organized, wants to, you know, have things 
have their place. Um, you know, just outlets and different things like that, that, that you kind of know would make sense to be in certain areas. Uh, we can definitely help people achieve those, uh, achieve those goals and dreams that they don't even know sometimes that they, they want or exist. What does this year look like in terms of, of, you know, that business? Have you had trouble selling trailers or has it been kind of business as usual? Uh, I mean, obviously the year started out great. Um, PRI was, is always a huge thing for us. It, it took off from there, right? Uh, January, February is always good months, but so it's March and April. Uh, everything kind of shut off, right, in March. Uh, I still had stuff going and in the pipelines, but I really didn't, things didn't kind of keep going, kind of almost shut off for, for a month. But once everything got kind of reopening up in July, uh, I had my best month I've ever had in July. Uh, a lot of, obviously a little bit of a pent up demand, but still, um, you know, a great month. So uh, it's been, honestly, it's been awesome since then. Uh, kind of got a little slower last month. Not nothing crazy. Uh, I guess kind of something you would normally see, you know, into the race season, everybody's focused on that. And here, honestly, the last couple of weeks, it, it's been crazy. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, I was still working before we started this and it's 7.30. So, uh, you know, I started the day at, at 7 o'clock and here I am, you know, sitting at my desk still, still getting a little bit of work done. So, um, you know, it, it, you, you, essentially I work three months ahead. Um, you know, a deal that I'm putting together today, you know, completes um, in, in sometimes six months. So um, you got to keep all that kind of going to, to kind of stay ahead and keep a, and for me to keep a steady paycheck coming. But um, it's been good. I mean, people are still buying trailers and spending money. So, um, you, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think anything happened at all right now. Uh, from California, moved to Indiana, obviously to kind of pursue racing, but how do you get that start in racing? Uh, you know, obviously that kind of Hanford area you're from, there's a lot of racetracks, a lot of racing going on, you know, you know, was it sprint cars from the start? You know, did you, you know, were you a micro guy, you know, where, where did you kind of get your start? Yeah. So I started in micros, uh, Plaza park, Hanford, Lemoore, um, cut my teeth, uh, there, you know, running micros. My dad worked, um, at a, he's a California uh, correctional officer, Russ Kyler, uh, he worked with him, um, and Russ raced micros and midgets and things. And we were NASCAR fans. My grandpa, my mom's whole side of the family is from Columbus, Indiana originally. So racing was always kind of a, a you know, a family sport or a family hobby to go to races. Um, worked out. We, we liked NASCAR and my grandpa and my dad got kind of the little play day set up, practice a micro and our junior sprint. And, uh, you know, it wasn't three or four months later they had one. So uh, you know, it's funny. We always joke that it, it started out as a car and that was it. Not even a toolbox. Went to the races, thought, oh, we're going racing. And then it grew into, you know, you know, three, four race cars, spare motors, you know, toter home, full, full trailer, um, you know, full-time USAC national sprint car team, um, you know, and things like that. And uh, it just, it's crazy how it grew. Um, I sold off a lot of things this last winter, um, just kind of Focus on, uh, you know, the house, the property, uh, being a dad, uh, business, try to pursue some other things. And, uh, you know, here we are. The, you know, that, that kind of micro sprint, junior sprint, you know, especially out there in California kind of seems to be, you know, the thing right now. And, and obviously there's a ton of guys that have come out of that, you know, from your perspective, what is it about that racing that, you know, helps guys come along so quickly? Yeah. You know, we, me and my grandpa always talk, you know, me and Cody Swanson, um, you know, there were so many of us that raced together in the micro world. Uh, you know, Macedo was right behind us there. Um, there was just a ton of talent that came out of that little area, um, in a six, you know, six year span there. Um, uh, it's funny that we're all still kind of in a sense around each other, you know, Eliason was there as well. 
uh, Facinos, and there was just a bunch of us. So um, I don't really know what it is. I mean, the competition, I guess, really is is so good there um, that if you were, I mean, if you, you had to race hard and, and learn really fast and just and progress, um, and I think obviously, you know, stiff competition being around you makes you better. Um, and I think I do think some of that just because you know everybody was pushing each other that it made us all better. Um, and then I mean I don't know it's just the the Central Valley there the Valley area of micro racing is is very stout very tough competition. Um, you know you still see it today uh, in today's world at the Tulsa Shootout and things uh, that whole region kind of being one of the one of the upper areas that that takes a lot of the drillers home so um you know it's been a lot of years since uh since my era in my days the micros have definitely changed a lot you know jake's got his d1 stuff that's uh pretty competitive um and, and you know it's cool to see those guys that, that you raced with um you know we bought our first micro from jake's dad and that's how he got started so now to see him you know having his own uh you know whole business around it and everything's pretty cool and uh you know it's it's a it's just a cool area i mean we we race so much in micros um, you know, three nights a week and then go to sprint cars and we race in California once night, one night a week. So it was kind of backwards, right? You think you go micro racing would be less than the sprint cars, but we actually started racing less when we ran sprint cars and that progressed to, you know, we got to make the move back to Indiana. So, um, you know, obviously, and then obviously coming to Indiana, you, again, you're racing against the best. So you just progressively get better. You know, wing versus non-wing, like, you know, why do you choose or why did you choose to go the direction that you went, you know, a, you know, as you kind of make that jump from some, you know, some of those lower classes? Uh, I mean, the biggest thing, just going from the micros to, to a 360 sprint car, because that was the, the next step. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't as much of a learning curve as you thought it would be. Uh, it's still a race car, right? So, um, and, and the same thing, I think sometimes, you know, going from a non-wing sprint car to a wing 410 sprint car. Um, I mean, it's still a race car. I mean, it just, it takes the right things to line up, um, and, and being, you know, with the right people and everything, um, you know, makes, makes that transition easier or sometimes harder. Um, and unfortunately sometimes it reflects on the driver too. So, uh, it just depends, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a learning curve and sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but it's kind of nice sometimes too, cause there's no real crazy expectations. Kind of take it one night at a time. The problem is when you, you know, kind of uh start getting a little more competitive than than all that uh expectation then becomes <laughs> becomes there and, and you kind of get harder on yourself what was your first opportunity to drive a sprint car uh first opportunity from micro to sprint car was i really my grandpa they bought a sprint car um we went and and uh practiced at lamore with the sprint car that i remember which is kind of funny right I took the sprint car to the micro track um and uh, made some laps there and then uh, ended up just going down to Hanford and Tulare and, and we ran several, several uh, nights there. And, and uh, my first year we won two races. So that was, that was cool in the sprint car. And then it just, uh, just progressed from there. Is it like, I mean, were you comfortable right away or did it kind of take some time to, before you were really comfortable in the car and, and able to run well? Uh, I'd say I was pretty comfortable pretty quick. Um, obviously I was a lot younger and dumber than a team. So I didn't really know. I just was, happy to be racing a sprint car. So, um, you know, I didn't, I don't remember it really feeling crazy odd or, or, you know, the, the way you sit was different than the micro, but again, you don't even think about that once you got out there and, you know, the competitive edge and, and, and biggest thing, like I always think is like when you're chasing another race car, you don't think about anything else. It, you just kind of do what you need to do. 
Um, you know, and then it's after a while that you get more comfortable that you can, in a sense, really think about things as you're doing what you need to do. So, um, you know, with, with anything, right. Practice makes perfect. So then you kind of can, can fine tune things and, and get better. We obviously, you know, we, we hear all the time about, you know, the California bull rings, the California bull rings, but it, it seems like there's actually quite a bit of, of different types of racetracks, so you, you know, across the state, you know, wh- when was your kind of first opportunity to get out and travel and, and, you know, did it take you a long time or, or a short time to kind of get used to some of those other racetracks? Uh, really our, my first year in the three sixties, we ran Hanford, uh, Santa Maria, Tulare, we did a little bit of traveling and there's a huge difference between all three of those tracks. Um, then the second year, the SCRA 360 series came out um, and we traveled all over Chowchilla, all over California, into Arizona, um, into Nevada. So that was cool. Um, you know, won several races at some tracks and, you know, I, I don't ever think that you, I mean, every track's different. There's tracks that are similar, but they're still not the same. So um, every track's different. You just have to learn to adapt there's been many a times though in my career that I've gone to a racetrack for the first time and won. And I mean, why, who knows, you know, things just worked out right. Um, sometimes maybe because you don't have that experience and, and you just, again, you just do what you do, do what you think. And sometimes you, you hit the nail on the head um, or you don't, you know, you don't think about it as much as some others are trying to uh, digest it and, and it works out. So um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it was fun going to different racetracks because you see different things um, you know, travel, being a racer, you get to travel, right? So it's always fun to travel. And most, I think most race car drivers enjoy traveling there for an early part in their career, at least, um, you know, seeing different places, seeing different tracks, uh, you know, seeing fans in different areas, how much, you know, stronger they are some than others. And, um, and again, seeing tracks, you know, I, I, I do wish sometimes I would have kept a count of how many racetracks I've been to, um, and what tracks I've gone to at least. Um, I mean, you could probably think back, but I'm sure there's always a couple that I would probably skip, but uh, been been fortunate to uh, you know travel from from the West Coast to the East Coast. Really, you make the decision to move from California to Indiana. Uh, you know, obviously, kind of to the epicenter of 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 dirt racing for you know a lot of different teams and and things like that. When you make the move, do you have a ride already? Are you hoping to get a ride? Do you have you know contacts, a bead on something? You know, what does that look like when you go to make that move? Uh, when I made the move, obviously, my my grandfather owned my race cars for for a lot of years, so. Um, the move really was, we had a ride, we had the race cars, we came back, we ran Indiana spring week in 06. And then we made the move in 07 was our first season back here. So, um, but my grandma, grandpa sold everything they had in California and house and he sold his business. And, and we just made the jump back to, to the Columbus area where he's originally from. So, um, you know, obviously scary at times I, I, I graduated two months before we moved. Um, so it was like school and then let's go racing. So, um, you know, it was cool. Um, intimidating at the same time, right? Cause you're coming back to Indiana where you only, you only could hear of guys or only got to see them, you know, when they came out to the Oval Nationals and, and they kicked everybody's butts at that time. So that was cool, but also, uh, very intimidating. And then, you know, as you get racing and get to know people kind of, kind of earn, earn your respect there. And, uh, and it just kind of blossomed from there. Did you have that, like, you know, you know, maybe one of the first times you go run a, you know, a USAC national race or something like that. Did you have that kind of like, Hey, rookie, welcome to the big leagues kind of moment. So it's, it's funny. I always remember, um, and it, and I always remember it at gas city. I remember, uh, racing with Jesse Hockett in a heat race and, uh, and he, and he just, he just charged in there into turn one and, and just kind of gave me a wheel to the, to the nerf bar and, and going down in the next corner, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. And gave it back to him just a little bit. And, and then after that, it was like, we gave each, you know, he gave me all kinds of room. 
Um, so that was one of the, I felt like I earned a little bit of my place. Um, you know, and, and, and so that was always cool to me, right? Cause Jesse was, was, you know, was, uh, was a well-known guy and, and race, you know, obviously wing, non-wing everything. So, uh, to kind of go hard with him was cool. And then a couple weeks later, we were at Brownstown and on a start, a guy spun out going into one and I hit him, knocked a rear end out. And I remember Jesse, you know, we got to talking more after that, kind of, you know, welcomed you in. And uh, there wasn't a lot of cars there and, and he brought his mule over and he's like, hey, whatever you guys need, you know, just just uh, grab it and go. So, and I always thought that was cool. You know, again, then you feel like you're part of it. You, you kind of, you, you know, earn the respect and, and uh, you know, and everybody in, in, even in the CRA, when I started doing that was the same way. I mean, you kind of had to earn your respect. Um, it's once you kind of, you know, got pushed around and pushed back, then they're like, all right, you can, you know, you can hang. So that was cool. Um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a highlight and a cool, cool part of my career. When, when you jump up to like a higher level like that, and, and especially to go run with, with the guys that are running like a USAC national race, like the first couple times, like, is there nerves? Is it like, holy crap, I better not screw this up. You know, what, what, what is your kind of mindset when you're in those races? Yeah. I mean, obviously you're, you're, you know, it was cool when you're lining up at the beginning of it because you look your left and you look to your right and you see, you know, who you're racing with. Um, I remember going to um, Hopstot, uh, which was my first year in Indiana and we ran third. Uh, we actually were racing for the lead with Ricky Snouse Jr. for a while. And, and uh, you know, with, and he was in one of the TSR cars and then Clayton ended up winning with Walker. And, and it's just, you know, you're up there dicing it up. So, um, you know, you, all, you wanted to come here and move here and be, and be successful and competitive. Um, and obviously it takes a while to get there, but once you get there, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a rewarding feeling. So, um, it makes you want more and it makes you strive for more. So, uh, it, you know, it's hard, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, you see a lot of guys that come from Indi or out West to Indiana, um, or from all over in general, um, you know, and, and almost struggle to pick rides up and struggle to get things going because it's not easy. Right. So, um, and they get discouraged. I feel like sometimes, you know, thinking rides should come or, you know, the success should come, but. Uh, you know, it's hard to hard to beat a man at his own game, and, and several of these guys have been doing this for a long period of time. You've obviously been involved with a family-owned team. You know, you've driven for other people. Uh, you, you know, do you prefer one way or the other? Does it not matter? You know, what are your kind of thoughts on on that? Um, you know, I ran my I ran for my father, grandfather, and then he got out. And I kind of took things over myself and, and had to make them work. Did that for a couple of years, and then and then got the ride with Paul Hazen. Um, you know, was that easier? Yes, at times. Um, because, you know, I just, I showed up, raced and went home. Um, you know, it wasn't the, the thrashing hours through the week. Um, I've always had a full-time job, so I always was having to delegate racing and work. Um, so when I ran for Paul, I could work and then show up to the races and race. So that was easier. Um, and we were very successful, but at the same time, sometimes having your own car is kind of, you know, things can go, not go right. And you kind of get frustrated with that because it's not yours. Um, but you know, it, it, it's got, it's, it's got its pros and cons. So, uh, it's not cheap to own your own race car, but at the same time, it's your own destiny. You can kind of control it. Um, you know, if something happens, it's your own fault. It's nobody else's, but, uh, it's, you know, there's a lot that goes to it. You know, you got to manage the team. So you got to get, have the help and you got to, you know, make sure they know what they're doing and give them their tasks. And, and, uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate to be able to do that. Um, you know, and, and having full-time guy and, and things like that. Um, sometimes it's difficult because you may not have the money coming in that you thought or wanted. And, and uh, so it's all, it's all just a balancing act. Um, I can't say that, that any one is better than the other for me. Um, you know, I, I've done very well in my own stuff. Um, you know, 2016 was a very successful year. It was my own and, and another guys that we partnered together, but 
Um, you know, that was an ex extremely successful year. I think we've, you know, won as much money as anybody that year. Uh, so that was obviously a highlight, but then the years that their struggles, you know, they're, they're not as much fun. Um, but you know, I guess if you have, if you race for yourself, you don't, there's less expectations in a sense from a guy above you, um, you know, asking why you didn't run better than what you did and things. So, uh, sometimes I, sometimes I wished, you know, that I, that I, there was multiple rides out there cause it would be easier, but, uh, having your own stuff sometimes is not terrible. How difficult is kind of the constant deal making, you know, that a driver has to, you know, whether it's for a ride or for a sponsor, you know, I mean, are you just kind of constantly like in communication with people? Is it just a lot of phone calls? Like, you know, what does that look like and how difficult is that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot of it's connections that you have too. Um, you know, the same with, with the sponsorship side, you have connections, so you can, you can make the deals. Uh, you know, a lot of the relationships that I had, I, I had the same deals for a long period of time. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously you gotta, obviously you gotta, you gotta, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So you gotta stay out there to, to keep getting the grease. Otherwise uh, you in a sense you'll get forgotten about, but, um, and obviously results, uh, we, we did a lot when, when 2016, 17, 18, um, you know, when I felt like my career was at its more or less peak, um, you know, press releases weekly, whether we did good, bad or, or indifferent, we, we just, we would send something out, you know, Hey, we suck this weekend. Um, or Hey, you know, we won or we ran top five. So, I feel like honesty is always the best policy and, and just, you know, keeping your partners, your people involved, everything up to date um, was always huge. Even your fans, right? They, I mean, everybody can, Oh, you know, we didn't have good luck or any of that, that people get tired of hearing that. If you had a bad week, you had a bad week. Um, you know, and don't say that you ran 10th when you ran 14th because it's all on the internet now. Um, so yeah, it, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, Christine, uh, did a good job with that stuff. She was uh, always on top of it every Monday, you know, doing the press release. Uh, luckily, I had her instead of having to pay somebody, so saved a little bit of money there. But um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a lot of work. I, I do. <laughs> I'm on the phone nonstop now with Capital, um, and I was on the phone nonstop then. Um, you know, any any racer's girlfriend would tell you that they're they're on the phone 24 uh, seven. But you had to be right. You had to stay relevant. You have to to kind of keep things rolling, keep options available too, because you never know when you're going to get canned or, or if a better opportunity comes around. Does all of that kind of constant deal making is like, is that why you're a good salesman now is because you've been doing all of that for so long? Uh, I guess, I don't know, man. I, I just, uh, I feel like I, I do good with trailers because I can relate. Um, you know, and I don't dude, I don't sugarcoat it. I don't be like, Oh, we're going to give you, you know, this guy's going to give this, you know, just, Hey, we'll help you out as much as we can. And here it is. Um, you know, a lot of it too is, you know, you we can get the same trailer anywhere, but you, you can't get our knowledge everywhere. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I always try to be a personable person, um, be honest, you know, when I was working a deal, Hey, here's what I can do and make sure that you do that. Um, you know, don't go back or don't cross on it. Um, you know, sometimes things don't work out, but Hey, as soon as I knew that something was, was unfolding with, with an opportunity that I had, uh, whether it was one of the teams that I was getting let go, I would send out an email to everybody that it needed to be sent to. Hey, here's what's happening out of my control, um, you know, and, and just be honest and, and then, you know, kind of carry that stuff over to the next deal if you can. And, um, you know, again, just, just being honest and, and doing what you said. Um, and if that doesn't work out, you know, what, what you said you were going to do, be honest about why and what your next step is. So it, it, like, I feel like we've seen drivers kind of do this business card thing right over the years is like, is that something you've done? And does that work like walking around pay areas and handing out business cards? 
Uh, I always had business cards and stuff, but um, I mean, not, I, I mean, if, if somebody wants to hire you, they're going to hire you. They're going to find you. Um, obviously it's good to stay in contact with people. Sometimes I feel like if you have your own rate business card, right, they're going to give you a business card back. So then at least kind of exchange um, instead of like pointing your phones out. And um, I, I think it's more professional. I mean, obviously on the professional side of things, uh, like, you know, business capital, um, business cards are a huge thing. So yeah, I always had racing cards and I always had, you know, I have my business cards too, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it can be, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of car owners are, are the older generation. So, um, you know, they're new to texting maybe, or not as relevant with it, but so business card could be good. Um, again, everybody, everybody hires a guy because they already know of him. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's a good thing to get your name out there with a business card. Maybe if you hand a guy a card, he's going to, read your name and pay attention next time he reads an article and sees that you ran good. Um, I don't think there's anything negative about it. I want to kind of talk about your, you know, your, your we, we thought that what we were going to see was you, you kind of transitioning into, you know, maybe four more full-time uh, wing competition this year with you jumping yeah. into 2KS. Um, you know, was that something you wanted to do? Was that something you'd been looking to do or was that just an opportunity that presented itself? Uh, so I obviously at the end of last, well, not last year, year before 2019 started running my own what's car, um, some wing races, enjoyed that it was, it was just, uh, it was something different. Um, you know, I've not necessarily raced for a living ever. Um, I've always in a sense spent my living racing because I've always owned my own race cars. So, uh, it was just a, it was, it was a new step. It was fun. It was exciting. You know, there was less expectations. Um, when we, you know, somewhat ran successfully or got more comfortable, it was kind of like a, that was a win. That was cool. Um, and then at the end of the year, um, you know, ran the two KS a little bit at, uh, Cedar Lake and went fairly, you know, fairly well, uh, didn't go great, but wasn't terrible on the heat. Um, and, uh, I honestly kind of wrote it off after that, that that would never, you know, turn into anything. Um, then Troy and Tammy called me, uh, in November wanting to put something together and, and we made it work. Uh, unfortunately it just didn't work out as, uh, as long as any of us wanted, um, kind of a tough year, to, to transition into something like that. Obviously, um, I think, you know, eight of our 12 races or something like that were either all-star or outlaw races. Um, you know, many of them were invite only. So it was just, uh, just, uh, not didn't line up. Right. Um, but it's, it's what it was. It was a good experience. I think, uh, you know, they, uh, they, uh, were very helpful and everything along the way and, and everything split up on good terms. Do you prefer one or the other wing versus non-wing? <clears throat> I like the wing car. I mean, obviously it's a challenge. It was, it was, I don't know. I mean, it was fun. It wasn't as comfortable as gnawing, but that's because I've been racing gnawing forever. Um, I was definitely getting more comfortable, um, you know, as, as time went on, the biggest thing for me, I always felt like was if I had two nights in a row, the second night I was like, it was, you know, again, it was just, just racing again. Um, you know, unfortunately many of those nights it either rained out or, or we did and we just didn't run very good. But, um, couple of nights, you know, I felt like, all right, we're, we're moving, we're moving. And then it would rain out. So, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, the wing car was, was fun. Um, I would say it was almost, it was, it's very, it's less edgy, I guess you could say, right. Um, cars down left. It's a little more comfortable when that's that way. Um, and all car when it can be down left a little bit is, is very comfortable. Um, so, so, uh, I guess it just, it just all depends, right. Where you're at, um, how your car is, but, um, you know, obviously the nominee car is just, is in a sense natural because, because that's what I've done for, for, uh, for several years. 
we've seen Tyler Courtney go back and forth this year, obviously between the wing car and the non-wing car. How can we don't see more of that? Like, why don't we have more guys kind of racing both, uh, you know, maybe on, on the same night or, or, you know, week to week, you know, why, why do you think that is? Uh, I think some of the hard thing, obviously non-wing racing so strong in Indiana. Um, and, and there's just so many races so close. Uh, it, it kind of gets hard to split off. Um, not that it's a lot of money to, to, put a wing car together or have the pieces to go wing racing. Um, it just, just takes the extra time. And, and a lot of those guys, you know, with the, with the split ups of schedules and things this year, um, it just makes it hard to travel. Indiana is hard because it's four and a half hours, four hours sometimes to the closest wing race, uh, over in Ohio. So, um, you know, I was traveling six and a half, uh, it was about five by the clock to, to Iowa. So, um, just definitely makes for long, you know, commutes and things. Um, I, you're going to see more of it from what I've been hearing um in you know in the coming season some guys you know doing more wing racing um i think a lot of people want to do it but uh, it's just gotta it's just gotta line up right uh with sponsorship and things like that too you know guys that are successful nomming cars have their sponsors for their nomming car they're not you know not wanting to sponsor or, or support their wing racing career because it's then it's kind of starting from the bottom and, and they're wanting to sponsor you because you're at the top so uh the guys at the top get the recognition so it just kind of makes it you got to time it right um, and then just hit it right. So I think you'll see more of it here soon. Um, hopefully Indiana gets more and more wing races and, and we can see more of it here in, in the Indiana state as well. When you're in a ride and, and things aren't going well and, you know, you're not getting the finishes you want, like, do you sense it coming that, you know, that this thing's probably not going to last very long? Uh, yeah, typically, um, you know, <laughs> it becomes very uh, frustrating for everybody. So yeah, it's, it, you know, you as a driver, you're not there because and happy because you ran bad, right? You're as frustrated as everybody else. Um, so I'm sure they sense that you're over it. Um, you know, you can definitely sense that they're over it or, you know, they, I, you just, it, 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 you could tell, um, needless to say, I didn't, I didn't think I had much longer because <laughs> we weren't doing very well. I was trying to be, you know, <clears throat> trying to trying every time to figure out more and do different, talk to other people. And, and, uh, it just, uh, you know, it was trying for me, especially, uh, it's just, and then again, it's not fun, right? You do this because it's fun more or less. Um, if you're not successful, then, then, uh, it's not fun. So, um, yeah, you could definitely sometimes sense that, but I've been in situations with Hazen at the beginning of that, that we were, you know, over it. And, uh, finally, you know, he, and he was an old school guy. He didn't want to change anything. We changed a few things and we won the next night. And then after that, it was just hit, 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 hit. And, um, you know, the whole vibe changed really quick. So it just takes a little bit of, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. And, and sometimes you got to just, you know, keep pushing and, and it'll come. When you're in a situation like, you know, where you're maybe struggling in a car, how much is it like where you're kind of pushing on them to make changes to the car versus them pushing on you to make changes as a driver? Like, you know, it, are there things that you can kind of do one way or the other to kind of maybe turn things around? Um, you know, are, are you talking to other people? Like, you know, I, I know there's like all kinds of different shock combinations and, and, you know, different ways to set the car up. And, and obviously there's different ways you can drive, but you know, when you're in one of those situations, like how much are you looking at yourself versus how much are you looking at the car? Yeah, it's difficult because especially if it's early on, um, you don't want to tell the guy or the crew chief or the car owner that, you know, this sucks or that you, what you have isn't worth anything. Um, so I've learned to show up, um, at the beginning, not bring a bunch of suggestions. Um, so it can be difficult. Obviously you kind of have to tiptoe into those situations. Um, 
you kind of have to just feel it out as you go. Not, not, uh, like, Hey, you need to change this, that, this, that, and this. Cause, um, all the, if you run bad after you say all that, it's just going to make you look worse. So, um, you just kind of have to take it, take it night by night. Um, you know, we tried a lot of things, some things felt better, some things didn't, um, you know, communication is key, um, to try and get in there. So it just, uh, yeah, it takes time. I mean, it's easier for me to go to a non-wing deal and, and help make all those appropriate changes. Cause I, I know I, I've done it. Um, you know, it's a little more difficult when it's a learning process. I guess you kind of learn on the guy turning the screws and, and things like that, uh, and, and others around you. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, can be, you know, a touchy feely subject. Sometimes you don't want to push the wrong buttons or take anybody off. Um, but you just kind of have to, I don't know, it just depends on the mood of everything and, and where everybody's at. You've only run, I think, what, a handful of times since kind of leaving the non-wing deal or yeah, leaving the wing deal this year. Uh, you know, is that by design? Is that just those are the opportunities that have popped up? Like, you know, what does that process look for you? Look like for you as you're kind of trying to figure out what's next? Yeah, I didn't really, honestly, I, I, I mean, at first I pursued several things and then, um, you know, some people wanted money and want to do this and I just, just didn't work out. So, um, just sat back and didn't really pursue much after that. Uh, and just kind of sat back and wrote out the year. Cause I mean, again, I felt like, Hey, this is a year or two, uh, that you're not really missing out on much. Cause it's just been a hectic, crazy year. Um, and, and you know, with business, with work, I I've got, uh, capital has been busy now and, and then I've got some dump trucks that I own and operate. So, um, you know, it was just, I felt like it was a good year to kind of take a step away. I sold all my stuff. So, um, I didn't have any race cars. So it wasn't like, Hey, let's just, take this car out and go. Um, you know, I, I ran the Hazen car. Uh, that was just kind of, uh, kind of a, just a good time. You know, it's, he's like your grandpa. It's, you know, you don't know how many more times you can go fishing with him. So you go fishing every time you can. Um, so that was, that was just more of a, a fun, enjoyable time to, uh, to kind of go back to what really I feel like kind of helped my career, um, take another path and, uh, and, you know, or take another step forward. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It was kind of more of a less reset year, I guess, too. You know, I'm building a house right now, uh, you know, just uh, hanging out with Maverick and uh, just enjoying uh, business is good. So just enjoying that. What do you want to do next? Do you want to, you know, go back to non-wing? Do you want to try to stick with wing stuff? You know, what are you looking at for the future? Uh, so right now I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm kind of more or less content, right? I want to keep racing um, of some sort, but I got to stay kind of close around home. Um, with just everything that's going on um, with business, you know, it's better for me to stay here too, obviously with capital as well. Um, I've got some units here and, and just kind of still go race, but not, not be dedicated to it so much. So we'll see, um, you know, if there's some wing racing around here, we'll, we'll probably dabble with that and uh, maybe put something together myself again for next year. Um, you know, I, I've got some connections to a couple pieces of the puzzle. Uh, I just got to find that motor. So um yeah, I think more or less right now I'm looking at doing something around here in Indiana. Um, you know, I've got several racetracks that are, you know, less than an hour or about an hour away. So, um, be able to race, but, uh, I think my days of being a professional, you know, full-time USAC national driver or, or traveling, you know, the world to race, um, are probably very, very limited just with everything I've got going on. And, and, you know, I've done, done well, uh, won some big races and, and, you know, uh, won at some cool prestigious tracks. So, um, you know, content with where my career is at now and obviously just, uh, just enjoy it now and enjoy it with the family. 
I, I'm sure you're probably tuned in watching things. What are you, what, you know, what's kind of your sense of, of dirt racing this year, you know, between USAC and the world of outlaws and, and all, you know, like, obviously you've been a lot of these races too, but, but you know, what is your sense of, of things this year? And, and, you know, what, what are the things you're excited about? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the outlaw season has been insane. Um, a lot of the races have been good. Um, it's been, uh, it's been exciting to watch, especially the progression of AVM just watching from dirt vision. Um, you know, the things that they're doing, um, to make the whole production better. Um, that's been really cool. You know, it's really been enjoyable to, uh, to sit at home, even unfortunately some nights and watch, um, and watch how it progresses and feel like you're there at the same time. So, um, yeah, I think, I think dirt racing for several years now has been on a rise. Um, you know, unfortunately some of, I think some of NASCAR's downfalls have helped the dirt racing world too, though. So, um, you know, I'm a dirt racer. Uh, I grew up, you know, as a little kid, you know, a NASCAR fan, um, you know, back in the Dale Earnhardt senior days and, and, uh, you know, idolized that guy. And, and now, you know, being around and racing the dirt tracks myself, um, very much so a dirt track fan too at, at heart. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's some of the best racing you'll ever see. Um, you know, even whether Larson's kicking everybody's butt or not, it's still good racing behind him. So, uh, or even sometimes up front with him, but, uh, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't beat dirt track racing, non-wing wing. Um, you know, there's been awesome late model shows, uh, you know, racing's, uh, dirt racing, I think, or, you know, your local, local short track racing is, uh, at an all time high right now. As somebody who's driven, obviously wing, non-wing, a bunch of different types of stuff, how difficult is it to do what Larson is doing where he's jumping from one car to the next and just immediately being fast? Well, it's easy for him. Um, you know, <laughs> it's easy for him. It's hard to say how difficult it is because he makes it look easy. Um, uh, I mean, dude, it's definitely not easy. Uh, he, he's, I was fortunate to, to work on Kyle's car at Knoxville, uh, in 2013. Uh, I think it was 2013 when, uh, when Davy Jones and he was in the one K and won the prelim night, I think sides blue left rear leading and, and, uh, got to stand up there on the podium up, up on the winner's circle with, with Larson at Knoxville. So that was cool. Um, he's, you know, he's definitely, um, you know, almost a freak of nature. Sometimes you feel like he makes it look so easy. Shane and Shane Stewart and I talk all the time. We're like, dude, it just, it's just mind boggling even to us. Um, and I guess when you're a racer and you see that, you probably have a little more respect for it because you know how difficult that really can be. Um, no, but it, it's cool, man. He, you know, Kyle's, uh, Kyle's been a friend and, and to see him, you know, be very successful after some of the trials that he's had this year, um, is awesome to see and, and, uh, you know, happy for him. Um, you know, got to partner with him with capital this year, chili bowl. And, and then he won the chili bowl. So, uh, that was cool to, uh, to, you know, be able to loan him a trailer and, and, uh, joke with him that he needs to buy his chili bowl winning trailer, uh, had him sign the door. Um, and, uh, personally ended up buying it. So they got, they got a nice Kyle Larson chili bowl championship autograph on the inside of that cabinet door. So, uh, it's been cool, man. It's, it's been cool to watch him, watch all the success he's had. I, my favorite though, honestly, was watching him go to late mall race and win that race. Cause that was, it was insane. You know, that, for every sprint car guy, they're like, yes, you know, that was awesome. That's, that's our guy. Um, you know, so, so watch him go there and, and uh, spank on them a little bit. It made you feel good too. Cause it, he wasn't kicking your butt, right. He was doing it to somebody else. So um, no, it was cool, man. It's cool. It, it's definitely challenging. We'll see how he does this weekend in the crown car. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't been able to race crown car, but uh, been to many of the races and, and they're, they're definitely cool. And I feel like he, he's got an edge cause he's used to stock car racing um, he can pace himself. He can push it. He just, I feel like that's kind of got a niche for him too. Um, you know, the midgets, he just runs it harder than anybody out there. And he does the same thing in the wing sprint car. It's crazy to watch sometimes how much, 
you know, distance he gains, you know, on entry into a corner. So, um, no, it, it's, uh, he's uh, almost a freak of nature for sure. You, you mentioned the crown car there. Is there stuff that you haven't run that you still want to? Yeah, I feel like the crown car is, is the definite, um, I almost did it a couple of years ago, put my own crown car together, but, uh, that's definitely one thing that I would love to do. Um, you know, and, and potentially in the near future, probably own my own crown car just because it's, I feel like it's that like, all right, you're just kind of slowly racing. You only want to race six times a year. Um, you know, you massage in the car for several weeks at a time. Um, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, definitely that's going to be probably in my future. Um, probably more so when Maverick starts racing and, and, you know, I'm at the end of my career. Um, we'll see just, just depends, but yeah, crown car is definitely something I've always wanted to run. Um, I got to practice a modified before, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to hot lap some, some vintage, uh, sprint cars around Lawrenceburg and some other racetracks. So that's cool. Um, actually the other night, my nephew was over and he was asking, I got a picture on the wall uh, in the living room and it looks like it's from the fifties, but it was me in the car at Lawrenceburg. Um, so yeah, that was cool to, uh, to be able to, you know, just kind of do that. Um, you know, I've gotten to, to drive a lot of stuff, um, never did much pavement stuff. Um, you know, that kind of was dead when I got to Indiana, but, um, yeah, the crown car is definitely on, on my bucket list. One of the things that I'll, I'll hopefully do one day. You're good with him racing when, uh, when he gets old enough. Yeah. As long as he wants to, um, Christine will be harder on than me. If he's not any good, she'll be like, Hey, we're done. We're not doing this. You need to find another sport. Um, uh, so yeah, you know, obviously, um, I grew up at the racetrack. I've been racing since I was nine. Uh, I feel like a lot of times it was very good for me. Um, kept me out of trouble, um, you know, taught me a lot of things about life and business and things like that. So I think it is a very good thing, a healthy thing um, for a kid to grow up. I always say that to, to people like, you, you know, you can't, it's a good place to raise your family or raise your kids, I should say. Um, you know, lots of great memories, lots of crazy uh, little league memories sometimes, um, you know, with the parents. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely hope we can. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully he wants to, and that's kind of the whole reason I've been focusing on business and things like that. Cause I want to provide him the opportunities, um, that I felt like my grandfather provided me over the years, uh, to be able to race with, with good equipment and, and all that, everything that we needed. Um, and then obviously when I took over, then I learned the struggles of trying to keep that equipment going and keeping it underneath you. So, uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, we can be that quarter midget dad with the big hauler pulling in. Um, you know, I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I want to work hard to be able to provide that. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, you never know. He's, he's, uh, going on 11 months. So we got a long time to go. I, I, I just have to mention, since you brought that up, like, uh, you know, listening to Tim McCready on, on Michael Riggs's podcast here not long ago, he, he talked about, you know, they, they were talking about, you know, big money and haulers and things like that. And it's like, his point was like, you know, we work our butts off as parents to like, try to make money and, and be able to provide a nice living for our family. Like, why is it like, why does that stuff get looked down upon? Like when a parent comes yeah. in with a nice trailer and their kids got nice stuff, like, <laughs> is, isn't that what we all want? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, it's a jealousy thing, right? Jimmy Light and I were talking one day and he's like, we were talking the same thing. We're like, when his kid is old enough, you know, he wants that big, sick, you know, hauler coming in. Cause that was what he looked at as a kid. And, and his parents like, man, look at those guys. So he's like, hell yeah, I want to be that guy. So yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and it's not necessarily about that. Obviously, you know, you it's gotta not, have, but like you still want to provide the best. Yeah, You want to have your money in the right spot. And, and I feel like, Hey, why not? If you got a big hauler, you know, whatever, um, you know, have them, have the motor coach. The problem for me is I get to drive these things. So I get to really see how nice they are and, and be, you know, 
spend time in them. And, and then it's like, all right, man, you have like, this has got to be, I got to have one of these one minute. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, you know, kids more motivation than anything. Um, you know, have, once you have a child to, uh, to provide for them. Um, so, you know, obviously with the racing, you want to provide for them. And, and, and again, the problem is, man, I, I, I see it far too often. Um, just, you know, wanting to be organized and, and doing that to, uh, and that makes you better, you know, haulers don't win races, but they sure make it easier sometimes. As you kind of go forward, I'll let you go here pretty quick, but you know, with no PRI this year, you know, kind of putting your sales guy hat back on, you know, what is, how is that going to affect you? Like, what does that look like? How are you able to kind of like going to be able to continue that momentum through that time where you would normally be in front of all of these people at PRI and, and now you're not going to be able to do that? Yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, me and uh, my boss, Wayne, were talking about this the other day or, or when it was announced. Um, we just got to find other creative ways. Uh, you know, I, I, I studied uh, business marketing in college for a couple of years when I, when I went before I uh, dropped out of that. But um, yeah, I mean, studying that enough, you, you learn some, some things. Um, and then also being a racer and having my own marketing programs and things for racing have helped me. Um, and sometimes I think helped um, you know, kind of have creative ideas and we're going to put a lot of that stuff together. Uh, we're going to essentially try and do our own PRI on our social media pages and things, uh, do a lot of cool video work and, and just try to find ways to get ourselves, um, out in front of the public. So, um, you know, fortunate that social media is a huge thing to do that with. Um, you know, and that's a lot of our businesses is through social media findings. Um, you know, our Instagram and our Twitter and our Facebook are always, um, you know, gaining new followers and, and continuing to grow. Uh, and there's numerous people that either a see it on social media outlets or they've seen us at the racetrack. So, um, you know, we, we've definitely nixed into several like the sprint car market. Um, you know, I think we have some of the, some of the leading edge sprint car trailers. Um, you know, our motor coaches are, are top end. We sell a lot of renegade products We're renegades, number one, toter home dealer. So, um, you know, just keeping that going. Um, keeping units going down the road, busting bugs is uh, also good, right? Your people always see that new hauler pulling and they always want to go look at it. So, and then once they look at it and your stickers on there, they know who to call, but it'll definitely be difficult. Um, you know, PRI too, we also see a lot of past customers. So you get to kind of talk to them again, see if they need anything, take care of them. That's definitely going to be difficult. Um, it, it's definitely going to be, we'll see. I mean, it, it just depends. It, even if they had it, how many people were going to show up, you know, who's, who's to say, cause a lot of people weren't going to travel. So it probably would have been a bust. Um, but the best thing we can do is just try and, uh, you know, use other outlets to, uh, to make up for it. Well, I'll let you go. But, uh, if somebody wants to get involved either with your racing or to buy a trailer, where can, uh, where yeah. can people catch up with you? Uh, social media, you know, Chad base uh, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, capital renegade on Instagram, Facebook, uh, capitalrenegade.com, uh, capital with an OL, not AL. Um, yeah, we're all over the place. So we're, uh, we're staying busy. Um, yeah, we'll see what the future holds. Hopefully uh, world finals will happen. Uh, it's kind of tentative right now. We'll be there if they do have it, you know, with a display, with a trailer and a mule and things. So, um, you know, we're going to try and hit some races. The, the good thing about PRI, I guess a little bit is it's a very expensive event for us. So we'll be able to allocate that money to other things, um, to continue to sponsor and, and promote ourselves through the rest of the year. So, um, hopefully, hopefully it won't be a, you know, a lost cause.
Chad is such a thoughtful guy, and I really think there was some great stuff in our conversation. He certainly had plenty of ups and downs in his career, and he's very realistic about all of it. I'm looking forward to seeing where we'll get to see Chad race next. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.